God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that we will rejoice and be glad in today because you have made this day for us. God, thank you for being the Lord of our life, for providing everything that we need and more. God, I pray that we learn together to be good stewards of the resources that you've given to us in every way, not just financial. God, I thank you that you go before us. You see the needs that we have and that you provide for us. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives, which is worth more than every other thing. God, we thank you that you are beyond compare, that there is nothing that is better than you. And God, we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Take a seat. Welcome to church. So we're in week four. This is the final week of the series that we've been uh, looking at this year. Um, so the series is I'm In, so we're, we're in. We're in in so many different ways. Um, so week one, we looked at we are invited to be a part of God's family. Um, there are so many ways that you can uh, be part of God's family in SBC in particular. Um, we've got bike rides happening. We've got you know, small groups happening. There are so many ministries that you can be involved in. So if you read your newsletter, which some people don't, some people don't read the letter that we produce every week, well, nearly every week. I mean, not this week, obviously, but um, but that is our letter to you to tell you kind of what's going on um, in the church life. So you can look at that and, and be seeing different ways that you can get involved in being part of God's family here. And then we learned about being uh, invaluable in the work that God has given us to do. So different roles that we have, different uh, teams that we can be a part of, different ways that we can yeah, just, just be invaluable to the work that God is doing. And then last week we heard about being influential um, for God's glory. So we are influential whether we mean to be or not. If we don't do it on purpose, we'll probably be influential in ways that, you know, maybe not the best. Um, but anyway, so if you missed any of those weeks, please go back and, and catch up because this is a really good way to start off the year is, is by knowing that we are in, that we are all in. We're going to be all into something. We may as well be all into something good like... God and church, right? I'm um, preaching to the choir. I realise you people are already here, so uh, we're already on a in a good place. All right. So this week we're going to talk about being invested. So hopefully you didn't all just check out and think, oh no, it's the money talk. Um, yeah, we we need to be generously invested in God's church, and it's really easy, I think, to think that those first three were all about the first three weeks were all about us who we are on the inside, uh, that we have somewhere where we are accepted, valued and have a place to belong, that we're invaluable to God's work, that we're influential. It's all about the person, it's all about us um, and that this one is just about money. Um, but I'd like to challenge you in, in thinking that because this is about who we are on the inside as much as any of the other ones. Um, this is about, our, it's not just about the money, it's about our heart attitude to the money, to the, to the finance, to the resources that God has given us. So um, hopefully you didn't just check out, hopefully you're still on board and we're going to look at you know, our attitude to money and how we feel about it, how we use the resources that God has given us. Also, a little um, 
yeah, a disclaimer, I guess, just to say that if you're new to Sail Baptist Church or you're visiting today, we're not um, wanting your money today. We're not, we're not doing this talk because we want all of your money today. So um, hopefully there are some things that we'll look at that'll be good principles for you and you can take those and use them in the church where you normally attend or, you know, you can use them in the future. But we're not saying we want you to give us all your money today. Um, pardon? Uh, All right, so I was thinking that this uh, being invested is a little bit like being an influencer because whether you mean to be invested or not, you will be invested in something. Um, And you might say, truthfully, I'm not fully invested in church, uh, but you will be invested in something. Um, Many of us are invested in different different things. If you follow a team and you buy season tickets, um, you are invested in that team. And what it actually means is that you're more likely to go to a game if if you've got season tickets. You won't look at the weather and think, oh, probably, yeah, it's not the best. I don't think I'll go today. You just think, I've paid the money, I'm going. Like, you you are fully there invested in that. We had a have well, we still have a friend, um, but many years ago he needed to lose uh, quite a bit of weight, and um, he tried many different things, and eventually he found that Weight Watchers worked for him, and he lost just a ton of weight. And we said, so was it like what was it about that 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 worked for you? Um, was it the accountability, the fact that you knew somebody was going to be asking you next Monday, you know, what you ate and pop you on the scales and there was that kind of level of accountability and he said no it was because I paid money for that and he's like let's just say he's very astute with money um but he's like no if I'm paying for it I'm doing it on my own accountability if I've paid money so you know that that kind of thing if you're investing in something it it means that you're all in uh, you can used to be able to do something uh, called auditing the course if you were doing some study. I, I don't know if you can still do this, but you could audit the course. Um, so you didn't pay like your thousands of dollars to, to do a unit, but you paid a really small nominal amount of money and you were welcome to be part of the class. You had access to all the materials, all of that, but you didn't get to take the exam at the end um, and so you'd never have the certificate or the proof that you'd really done that. Um, and if you kind of audited the course, well, because you weren't paying much money, you probably didn't really put a lot of effort in. You'd go or you'd not go, depending on how you felt that day. Um, so, yeah, <clears throat> if you're not fully invested, maybe, maybe you might be auditing the course. All right, so our first scripture, which is hopefully going to go up at the back here. So um, this is in Matthew 6:19. It says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And then that scripture goes on to say, but do, however, store up treasures in heaven and where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Your heart follows where you are invested. If you're a note taker, there are maybe two notes that you need to take today. And here comes the first one. So um, it is God, our God has created us to pour, not store. That's an easy thing to remember, isn't it? You just need to get them the right way around. God has created us to pour, not store. There's kind of a joy of giving to God through the church when you're invested in church. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. We're made to pour, not store. 
So in this giving message, message we, like I said before, we, we're not really asking for all of your money today. We don't, as a church, we don't need, need your money. Our bank account is looking quite healthy. We're not um, giving this talk just because we need your money. And I don't want you to hear that. All, all four of those messages, as I've said, are about us as much as, um, as much as each other and how much we are in. And it's true to say that God doesn't need to receive our money as much as we need to give it. It's about our heart attitude to money, not about his need for anything. He doesn't need anything. So we might compare maybe spending money to giving. Um, I don't know how you are, whether you have a little spending... um, like a buying thing, whether buying stuff gives you a little bit of a thrill, a bit of bit of pleasure, does it does work for me? I have to say, um, but you can you can be spending money. Sometimes you can be spending money that you don't really have. You might be putting something on credit, um, and you want the little thrill, but you actually don't really have the money. And, and probably we've all done that, um, and it doesn't feel so good, does it? Like you get that tiny little, mm, oh, it's great to have the thing, but, but now I'm going to be paying that off for a really long time. Or sometimes, you know, just when you buy something, you do have the money. The thrill doesn't last very long. Um, but when you compare that to giving to God or blessing somebody else, especially if you do it secretly, if you do something uh, that is a blessing for somebody else, you get so much joy from that. Um, Nearly nothing is truly altruistic, you know, where you don't get any kind of payback at all. If you do something like that for somebody else, you get the joy of knowing that they're going to find it, that they're going to realise that somebody has done this thing for them and then you get the joy of them finding it. Um, And then all of the joy afterwards as well. Like, it just goes on and on. It's the, the gift that just keeps on giving. It is so different and it's like that in giving to the church as well. You can get a real sense of um, lasting pleasure but also that that sense of belonging as well by by giving. I remember many many years ago I read a book by Jack Hayford who um, if if you're a little bit older you probably know who Jack Hayford is. He was a prolific author and pastor and a hymn writer as well. He wrote the hymn Majesty that many of us would know um, if you've been around church for a while but he he died last year Um, Anyway, I read this book of his and he described in there his first time of giving a tithe when his parents sat him down as a little boy and they explained to him the spiritual principle of tithing and they invited him to join in with that if he wanted to. So they gave him his little allowance, which was very small, and he chose to give out of that and he never stopped doing that for the rest of his life. So... Um, and the thing that I always remember him saying was it's always 10 cents in the dollar. It doesn't matter what the numbers get to. It is always, when you bring it back, it's like that first allowance where it was 10 cents out of his first dollar. In opposition to that, you can have uh, kind of a scarcity mindset. And um, I can describe that to you in, in, a, in a picture of a pie. So if you have a scarcity mindset, you feel like you don't have enough. And it's like if you had a pie and you think there's only ever going to be one pie. This is the pie and I've got it. And if I give somebody a piece of my pie, I'm going to have less pie. And that's, 
that's the only thing that, that can happen. Um, so if you give something away, I will have less. And that is really a scarcity mindset. Um, if you think like that, you can often feel like you just don't have enough. But like if I, I don't have enough to be generous now, but if I did have enough... If I had more, then I, then I would be able to be generous. It's a, I don't have it yet, but when I do get it, then I'm going to give it because I'll have enough. But I'd just like to say that that can be a bit of a trap too because the numbers do get bigger. Um, and Jack Hayford talked about that in his book um, because the first time that he felt really challenged about tithing or about giving at all, was when he got given a chunk of money one time and then he had to sit down and write that cheque and suddenly it was an amount of money that he could have done something with. So it's easy to give it when it's 10 cents or if it's a small amount of money that you think, oh, I couldn't really have done anything much with that anyway. But if you get up into the big numbers when you think, oh, actually, that tithe that I'm now giving away, I could do something significant with that for me. Um, so, so don't... Yeah, kind of don't get lured in, I guess, by that trap of when I've got lots, then I'll give some. Um, because it actually can be harder. You're better off to start small and just, you know, keep being faithful to that. So when you have a scarcity mindset, you have this kind of fear that I, I don't believe I have enough, I need more, I need to store it and it's never going to be enough. Jesus told a parable about this scarcity mindset and it's found in Luke 12 verse 16 to 21 and it's the parable of the rich farmer. It goes like this. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, Self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die and your barn full of goods. Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. So when you start with that scarcity mindset, you're driven by fear and the need to protect and guard what you have. The opposite of that, you might think, might be something like a prosperity doctrine which says, if I give, then God must give back to me. Um, that that is the spiritual principle, that God will give back to you when you give. Um, but that's, that's actually not what we believe here um, and is not what the Bible teaches either. The opposite to the scarcity mindset is the abundance mindset and that belief that God owns everything he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as we used to hear regularly um, here. Um, he is our provider. He provides everything that we, we need. And he is a good God who loves his children. He has enough. He has more than enough. And that he, he, will, he will bless us because he loves us. It's a really different mindset to that prosperity one, which is like, this is the rule. I give to God. He has to give back to me. It's, it's a whole um, heart attitude to who we believe God to be in our life. Many years ago in this church, we had a, a night of prophecy. I don't know how many of you were here when we, when we had that. It was quite early on in this building, I think. And um, Steve and I had a great prophecy that night uh, that was just so on the money. Like it was, sorry, that's a bit of a 
pun thing there. Oh, didn't mean that. Um, but it was so accurate. Like, we stood uh, side by side and received this prophecy and the, the person giving it knew, like, just ridiculous stuff. They, they could see that that was true. Anyway, um, that's by the by. It wasn't our prophecy. Um, but somebody else that night received a prophecy and I overheard it. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to, but, like, I'm sitting there and... Anyway, um, but the picture that they got given was of receiving lots and lots of money, that they, that they would be um, uh, gifted lots and lots of money throughout the rest of their life. But the picture was that it was, like their, it was their hands holding it. Um, and, but the, it was coins, really big, heavy coins. And so they couldn't, as it was going in, they couldn't possibly contain it, so they had to keep giving it, like getting rid of it, like sharing it because it was all spilling over and it was just too heavy for them to hold. And I, that's, I've always remembered that and I've just thought that's a really good picture for all of us actually, that, that what comes into our hands, um, the gifts that we get given, they're, they're too heavy for us. And, and if we try and just hold on to it, we will only have a really small amount. But as we keep sharing it and letting it spill over and be for the good of other people around us, that it will just keep pouring in. So maybe an example of that is in Mark 14, and we're not going to read this scripture, but it's the story of the sinful woman who comes in um, to Jesus and she breaks open a bottle of really expensive perfume and pours it over him in an extravagant act of worship. She just gives everything that she has, all to Jesus, all of it. Didn't keep any, just all. She didn't store, she poured, literally she poured and Judas, so here's his uh, scarcity mindset that he had. He criticised it. He said, you shouldn't have done that. You should have kept that. You should have used that money um, for the poor. Um, and Jesus said then, what she's done will be told around the world, like literally for generations to come. And here we are still telling the story. God created you to pour, not store. Again, Jesus illustrated this in Luke 9, which is uh, what we know as the feeding of the 5,000. It's perhaps the biggest crowd that he ever preached to, and the 5,000 were the men, and then there was women and children as well. So, I mean, maybe 15,000. So he'd been preaching for a really long time, and in Luke 9 it tells this story. So Luke 9, 12 to 17... It says, late in the afternoon, and in another translation it says, as the day wore on, which kind of gives you a sense that Jesus had been speaking for a really long time. The twelve disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. So there's a scarcity mindset. We don't have enough, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy food enough for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. 
So what happened there? Jesus blessed the food. The disciples gave it and God multiplied it. So if you're a note taker, here's your second note. There's only two. The first one was we're created to pour, not store. This is the second one. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies, which is a, a really um, good spiritual principle there. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. So when did God multiply what they had? He didn't give them more when they were storing it. When they, he didn't like do it before they gave it so that they could see that it was enough. He gave them more when they poured it, when they gave it out. As they gave it out, it became more. So we want to be able to say that we're invested. We want to be generous. Um, and it isn't an act. It's not the thing that you do that makes you generous. It's, it's your heart inside. It's your, your willingness to do it, your, your attitude to what you're doing that makes you generous or not. And I was thinking about this. You can't tell uh, with people um, whether they are or they aren't because what you do on the outside might not be a reflection of what you're doing on the inside. You could give quite a lot of money grudgingly and that is not being generous, actually. Um, or you could give quite a small amount with great generosity, a real open, open hand and an open spirit, and that is generosity. So we talked a little bit about the tithe before. Um, some people would have you believe that the tithe is very Old Testament and that we don't need to do that now. Um, but actually, if you uh, read, and you can check me on this as well, this is in Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus assumed the tithe. He goes... Yes, you should. Of course, you should be doing that. Let's not even talk about that because that's just assumed that you're doing that. But even more than that, I want you to do to do this to you know show mercy and justice, all of the other things on top. But the tithe, absolutely, you should be doing that. Um, and he says, uh, of the Bible rather says in Malachi three, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's Malachi 3.10. God says to test him in that. It's the only time that God ever invites people to test him. Um, so you, you actually can do that. So God can do more with the 90% that you have left than we can with 100% if we kept it all. Um, and there, there are different ways that you can test this. But um, uh, one of the churches that, that I was following for a long time was uh, Menlo Park in um, America. And they, they had this kind of tithing season and they, they invited people who hadn't tithed before um, to, to start tithing and they would put all the money for new tithers into a special account for three months uh, and they just collected it there. But it, you could always ask for it back if you wanted to. At the end of the three months, if you thought, well, that's not really working for me, I actually am worse off um, and I actually can't afford to do that, they, they would let you take your money back and that was kind of the understanding. I did suggest that once here, I think, but anyway. Um, I don't think it was popular. <laughs> but anyway, at the end of the three months, nobody asked for their money back. They, everybody had felt like this was the best investment. It was a great investment that they 
not only didn't miss the money, that they could do more with the money that they had left than they had ever been able to do with all of their money. At Craig Rochelle's church, they invite people, I'm not sure we're ready for this, but they invite people to take out of the offering if they need it. So a lot of people are putting in, but if you really needed money, he would invite you to take that back out. I don't know, how, how do we feel about that? I mean, if you've put your $50 in and then there's a person that... I didn't mean to point over there. (laughs) Oh, there's a person that you think is making poor life choices and they take your $50 out. How are you going to feel about that? Um, And I think there's a bit of a, a spiritual rule there as well, that when you give the money, it's gone. It's not yours anymore. That's not your $50 anymore. That's God's $50 now. Um, and, and if somebody needs that, that's, yeah, that's their deal. I mean, some of those things are quite a stretch for us, but, but it, it, I think it demonstrates that those churches have a really good attitude to money, um, that they know that it isn't the actual money that's the important thing, but it's the, the heart of the, the people, the person that is the important thing. Many, many years ago when we lived in Sunbury, we had a friend who, uh, and this might be true for you too, it's not always easy for people to work out how to, how to tithe, how to give an offering um, if you're part of a family. Um, and this, this lady friend of ours, um, she was the only Christian in her household and her husband definitely was not on board. Um, and so her dilemma was, how do I tithe then? Like... Um, my family unit does not support, you know, my, my faith. Um, and so how can I be taking money out of our family budget to, to do what I feel like is the right thing for me to do for God? So um, our pastor at the time said to her, you know, how, how does the finance work then? So she could buy groceries. Um, and also her husband gave her... Um, $10 that was her own to spend. This was like a lot of years ago. It was okay. He wasn't being mean. Um, and so the pastor said, well, then that's, that's your money. The $10 is your money. So you tie that of that. So $1 in, in the offering every week. Um, and she, she would testify that this was so true. She could do so much more with her um, $9 of her own spending money than she had ever been able to do with the 10. Um, and that, that is something that's just stuck with me too. So, so you might be in a situation like that too where all of the family finances are not your own to do with what you want. Um, but there are ways that you can still be faithful to what God's calling you to do and what you feel um, that God is calling you to do in your heart that you can do out of what is your money. So when we're invested uh, and we have an abundance mindset, what, gives God, what God gives to me flows through me and we are created to pour, not store. I was thinking about, um, you know, there are some lakes like the Dead Sea in the world where water pours in but there is no outlet for it. It can't get away. There's a really special word for that which I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to say it. Um, But the Dead Sea is a really good example of that. And so the water that's there, the only way it can get out is by evaporating. So all the salts and the minerals and deposits and stuff stay in there um, and they build up to such an extent that it becomes toxic. 
um, and nothing can grow in there. So I th that's sort of a good picture for us too, that, that if m money or resources are just flowing in and we're not ever giving out, then what, what we kind of keep becomes a little bit toxic and um, it's not life-giving. Those of you who've been around church at Sail Baptist for a while might remember um, many years ago, again, I'm really very old, I keep talking about many years ago, um, I was MC. I did this badly once and I did it quite well once. Um, but when, we, when it came to offering, and we used to talk about offering all the time, didn't we? Um, every MC spot literally was about money. Um, anyway, this one time, and we would never do this now because it's a different time, but I invited everyone to take out their wallets or their purses and then exchange it with the person next to them like we would never touch each other's stuff anymore would we but um so okay so so now you have somebody else's wallet and I said I invite you to make a very generous donation with what is in that wallet how do you feel about that like it's not your money you don't have to go to Coles in a minute and, and buy groceries with it it's not your money but be generous how much would you give like would that be really different for you um I won't tell you what I did when it was bad but um Anyway, and then at the end, I, I, we didn't actually do that. We didn't take people's money out. Um, but at the end, take your own purse back again. And then I asked the question, is that more your money now than what you had before when it was your neighbour's money? And I really think the answer is no, because everything that we have is God's. Everything that we have belongs to God. And he lets us keep 90%, like he wants us to keep 90%. Um, and I d for me, that, that was like a fairly good picture that my neighbour's money, my money, I don't know, which is more mine? Probably none. I won't ever do that again. Um, God is so generous to us. We can't outgive God. He has given us everything. And we're not just talking about money. Really, when we're talking about money, you can relate this to so many other things. The other resources that he gives you, your, your gifting, your time, so many other things that you can relate this to. So this is not primarily about money, whether we have it or we don't. And it absolutely isn't saying that it's wrong or bad to have money. It isn't. It's okay for us to enjoy and he wants us to enjoy it. If, um, if you're able to, to buy something that brings you pleasure, that's not wrong. It's good. Um, he wants us to enjoy it. But it's about our attitude to money. The money we have, the money we don't yet have or that we wish that we had. Are we grasping onto it or do we hold it in an open hand? ready to use it or give it away. It's also very, very personal. We can't look at other people and have an opinion about what they do, except perhaps to be encouraged by how generous other people are, maybe how intentional they are, how on purpose they are about what they give away. But back to Jesus talking about the tithe, it's almost easy to think that if you're giving a tithe as directed, you're doing everything that you need to do. But really the tithe is just a starting point. It's kind of like, you know, a suggestion. Start here and see how you go. Um, not just, so, yeah, so again, not just in terms of how much money you give, but how much of yourself you give. 
how much you're being faithful and obedient to God in what he's calling you to do. So it's the start of the year and this has been a great kind of season, I think, of um, us all considering again how in we are, how invested we are, how all in we are to uh, God's work and to God's family. So I could give you some examples if you'd like. Um, So maybe tithe for the first time if you haven't already done that before. If you are a regular tither, maybe consider adding an offering or maybe look for other ways to bless God's family and God's work. But really the best place for you to start is to ask God maybe again what he wants you to do. Where is he calling you to be faithful in your giving? Maybe stretching your faith a little as you trust him to provide as you give sacrificially. We are already a generous church. We are because you guys are generous. And we see that so, so many times throughout the year. You know, when we, when we maybe put out a call for a need, um, you guys just jump right in and, and meet whatever need that is. We are a generous church in terms of our tithing and giving already. Um, many churches would be just so envious of the resources that we have here, that we have a building that we don't, it's paid for, like we don't pay rent to anyone. Um, just gives us such freedom to be able to, to do ministry and to do the things that we really, really care about. When we do our hampers at the end of the year, where we uh, some of us get the privilege of actually seeing people face-to-face as we give those hampers to people that make such a difference to their Christmas. You guys are so, so generous. Some people like just above and beyond anything that we could expect. Um, you, you guys are a generous, generous church. And, see I didn't say but, it's important that it's and. We can seek God about giving more and being more in our community. God will speak to each one of us about how we can give, be generous, what to give. And I invite you to, to maybe take the next week, or few weeks, to really spend some time in prayer Um, maybe you need to discuss with your family as well. If you're in a family unit, you all need to be on board with this. We don't want anyone, like, forcing the rest of the family to to sacrifice in ways that they don't want to do. But come together as a family around this and and discuss how you're going to give. Um, And just make sure that, yeah, that you're, it's not a rules thing, but, but just make sure that you, your, um, your heart attitude to giving is what God would want it to be and that you are being generous and invested in his work and in his family. Okay, let's pray, shall we? God, we thank you. We thank you so much for the resources that you bless us with. God, we know that you are about so much more than money. God, that you, you don't need our money as much as we need to give it. God, we know that you, that you own everything, but we also know that some of your money is in our pockets right now. And God, we want to be faithful to you. We want to be used by you in our finances as much as anything else. God, we want to be all in. We want to be fully invested. We want to give our lives to you and that sometimes means our money. 
God, we thank you that, uh, that we can have this abundance mindset that, that just knows that you are the God who has so many resources, that you love us so much, that you want good things for us and that, God, we, we know that you want to use us to further your purposes in our community here and overseas. God, we thank you that you are the Lord of our life today as much as you are our saviour for all eternity. And God, we are so grateful that we get to be used by you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.